I wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is, is my fondest name. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with Wes Worsham and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave. For the love of the game. And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, a Sons of Saturday podcast. My name is Pete, and my co-host Robbie is back. That's right. He was he was on a vacation. Do you want to let them know where you were? It's yeah. Pretty sweet. So I spent uh, seven days in Ireland playing golf uh, with uh, 11 drunk guys. So I was the only <laughs> one sober amidst an entire nation of intoxicated people, which was, uh, it was tested. But I, I made it out alive, and we were in Northern Ireland. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's, it was a ton of fun, very, very interesting. And uh, all the guard gates are down in Northern Ireland, if you haven't been there anytime, anytime recently. So, but it is a... Um, it's it's a crazy time there. You were really just going to check out the venue for Notre Dame Navy, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, they were a week. What is it? A week from now? Uh, it's getting close, man. I think it's a week is and a half right? or so. Yeah. We also have a very special guest on tonight's show. If you're watching on YouTube, you're already seeing him. He's the mind behind Every Day Should Be Saturday. You might know him from Shutdown Fullcast or his work on the SEC Network with the show Thinking Out Loud or even from his most recent endeavor at Channel 6 with Holly Anderson. He wears many hats. Spencer Hall has joined the show. Spencer, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for putting up with my uh, lengthy career description. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know whether I should insert Banner Society or some other things that you've done, because there has been a lot. But as two college football nerds uh, to, who've been following your work for a long time, this is truly an honor. So again, thanks for being here. Yeah, my, I can't, my pleasure. Yeah, I can't wait to pick your brain a little bit. We're going to get to VT camp updates a little bit later in the show after we cut Spencer loose, probably. Uh, but some may be weaved into the conversation as we go. I did want to get to the latest from realignment or de-alignment, as the full cast has called it. I can hear the listeners groaning on the other end of the podcast because people are so worn out from realignment. But we need to cover what happened last week. And that was the ACC presidents meeting to discuss the addition of Cal and Stanford and to a lesser extent, SMU. These schools would come in at a lower share of the money initially, and SMU for perhaps as long as five or seven years, because they're so desperate to get in the conference. And Notre Dame was pushing for those California schools in particular to be part of the conference. Uh, at least that was the reporting. And they do have a vote in expansion, despite not being a full football member. Thamel reported that discussions to add the schools had hit some roadblocks, which I think some of the VT fans were grateful for. And then there was more reporting from Auerbach, Forty, and Spencer's buddy, Richard Johnson, uh, that there was no vote per se, but the four schools opposed to the additions were Florida State, Clemson, UNC, and NC State, four of the older ACC members and uh, part of the Magnificent Seven. 
some schools may have softened on this. Some schools had ADs and presidents disagreeing on the additions, but the, and the things are fluid. And that was from the reporting. Even though it seems like these additions are going to be shot down, this seems very reactionary. Is that your read on it, Spencer? Yeah, and, and it's, I think, indicative of the ongoing political divisions inside the ACC, which um, by that I primarily mean the, the schools that actually make football money deeply begrudging sharing it with schools that do not, which that's at the root of the ACC. Like identity-wise, you have to understand that, that the football schools were brought in when football was whacking yay much of the tail. And now football uh, is not just the tail, it's the hindquarters, the lungs, everything pretty much up to the nose of the dog that is college football as a franchise. And I think that inevitably they're vulnerable. Like the ACC will, will always be vulnerable just because vulnerable in this format, just because you've got schools that really don't have a whole lot in common. They really don't, you know, like the, anytime you affiliate yourself with an ocean, I think you're vulnerable. You should really not <laughs> describe yourself in terms of an ocean because that's a big umbrella and big umbrellas, Big umbrellas tend to collapse very, very uh, easily in high winds. And this sort of, you know, like what does Boston College have to do with Clemson, right? What does Virginia Tech have to do with, I don't know, Syracuse? Like these are schools that, that there's not a lot of overlap when it comes to common interest other than we like to play football and have a full schedule. Yeah. So I think it'll remain vulnerable. In fact, like, in terms of remaining power four conferences, and that feels really weird to say now that the Pac-12 is no more. But in terms of remaining conferences, they're next. Like that's, yep. you should just anticipate full consolidation and collapse here. Because what I think is going to happen, and I've written about this on the Channel 6 newsletter, if you would care to subscribe and read. Um, you're going to have a, a, a merger between the two sort of mega conferences. That's ultimately what you're getting because that's what happens in sports. We don't actually want competition. What you actually end up wanting is you say, well, you know, we could just make a lot more money if we created one big league, which is ultimately what you're going to get when whatever the Big Ten becomes and whatever, whatever the SEC becomes uh, merge together. That's what you get. Happened in the NFL, happened in the NBA, happened in Major League Baseball to some extent, happened in the NHL, and just recently happened in the PGA. America loves a merger, man, right? Because uh, it's the big dumb thing, and it creates a company that everyone hates. It's funny because even if they do were to add these schools, and in this reaction, you didn't want any of them before when schools were available, and now you're going to take the scraps and add them. It, there doesn't seem to be much money in it, so I don't think it'll ultimately happen. But one day, I do believe we're probably going to get to what you're saying. And for VT fans – and a lot of these other schools, this magnificent seven schools that do take football somewhat seriously, like we want out of this unserious conference. And it's so apparent that there seems to be this desire of uh, supporting and blowing up the Olympic sports for whatever reason in this conference. And that's clearly what Stanford could bring, but mm -hmm. it just doesn't make a whole lot of logical sense. No. And, and Virginia Tech's model in this, I think you're blessed in that your, your in-state rival in a state that really can't support two Division One football programs. Not an uncommon problem. Mississippi has this. Frankly, Alabama has this. It's amazing that Alabama as a state has two FBS-level programs that are both top 25 worthy, especially given its small population. So 
you know, the idea that both UVA and Virginia Tech could not both be um, successful top 25 programs at the same time is absurd. It's just that UVA's never cared. Like UVA, UVA makes a slight commitment to football every now and then. Sometimes they look out and get a George Welch, who uh, might be one of the most underrated coaches, <laughs> given what the rest of UVA's football history looks like. So v Virginia Tech is blessed through no effort of their own by having an in-state rival that just sometimes forgets to play football, sometimes forgets to commit. <laughs> so it has other aspirations as an institution. Not that Virginia Tech doesn't, okay? Mm -hmm. But they have a clear institutional commitment that football is part of their brand. That's not necessarily the case at UVA. So if Virginia Tech can go ahead and make the argument that it brings the state of Virginia. It doesn't have a geographical advantage. It absolutely does not. That is just a quirk of history and geography that Blacksburg mm -hmm. is all the way up there and yet manages to be better at football than the school that's all the way down there, closer to where a lot of the talent lives. If Virginia mm -hmm. Tech can establish that and maintain that, you know, it doesn't even have to be at the Beamer level. It'll still be an attractive pull for an, a, a conference. But, um, is it okay if we just speak uncomfortable truths here? <laughs> Absolutely. One, you, we, need UVA, you need UVA to suck and suck hard for a yeah. long time, right? And to make sure that they are as unattractive a football property as possible. And two, it might not work. It yep. really might not, which is where Virginia Tech ends up. I mean, I think there will be a college football within college football, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. I think once you get a large super league of some degree and you get 36 schools, Right. Yep. In order to be one of those 36, it's going to be a massive commitment of resources, but there's also going to be a lot of very callous demographic math that gets done, i.e. Uh, a school like USC will automatically be in because it sits in the middle of Los Angeles and has all of those trophies and, you know, celebrated, you know, historical championships, et cetera. Yep. For Virginia Tech, it's hard. Virginia Tech yep. might end up on the outside of that. And in that case, Virginia Tech will be playing in a slightly different tier. I don't... Mm -hmm. I don't even know if financially what financially what it'll look like. I think it's where some of the Big 12 will end up. I think it's where a lot of the ACC will end up. There are schools that won't end up in that like whatever final 36, 32 teams that will still be really good and you'll still have interplay I think between those big sort of, you know, premier league of college football level teams. You know, we're deep into like science fiction territory here. So bear with me. Um <laughs> You know, I think Virginia Tech is in that, but like upper second tier, and is yeah. very much a borderline pick for you know your final like you know quartile of FBS teams. It's right there. It's a very, very hard place to be, and and I say that out of I say that out of deep sympathy because I've been to Blacksburg. I love it. I, I think Virginia Tech has punched above their weight for so long, but it's a difficult job, all right, yeah. and it's in a hard spot geographically. I would. I think most Virginia Tech fans, you know, looking on it themselves honestly, would put them. We would say we're definitely on the outside of the thirty-six right now. I mean, that's that's just the way it, it's it's fallen, and we put we picked a really really shitty time to be on bad times in football, like yeah. the most dangerous time to be in um, to be in a bad place. Absolutely. So I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's critical that we get good and we get good fast. It seems as if Florida State will not be announcing by tomorrow that they're out of the ACC with their J.P. Morgan money or whatever it was going to be. And so we're 
safe from annihilation at this point. But I do agree. We're on that line. We have the fan base support similar to an NC State, but a better history and a I, I think a better fan base on the whole committing to going to games, all that kind of stuff. So we're right there in that middle of the pack. And regardless of where we end up one day, the addition of these nerd schools to the ACC doesn't make sense, but does fit in line with the channel six ACC preview because it was Mm -hmm. a very funny piece in which the conference was compared to a combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. That's right. The quote, the, <laughs> the quote being, the ACC is deeply unbelievable packaging of dissimilar assets under a uniform umbrella. And there was a lot of different quotes that I could have picked, but that seemed to sum up the thought of the conference very well. And you have some of your more substantial Pizza Huts, and then you mm-hmm. have some of your mid-tier Taco Bell meals, which are still solid. But that's, right. <laughs> that's us and the NC States at times. It was pretty perfect the way you put it. And the quality of the conference is, is similar to the quality of food, which is reliably mid. No team, our, our issue is no team's been that second or that third team over the past six mm-hmm. to seven years. Florida State, we'll see about them this year. But yeah. we're waiting for that second and third powers to emerge. Like you have your Michigan and your Ohio State and now your Penn mm-hmm. State. And until that happens, the ACC is going to really have a rough time. I with so much history in this conference and some of the schools being fairly wealthy, why do you think the ACC hasn't been able to find its football footing for really since Florida State's Jimbo run and even maybe before that? I think a lot of the schools are in direct competition with uh, more established powers in other conferences. Um, it is a miracle that Clemson has been this good this long, given its neighborhood. Look around, look at the schools mm-hmm. that it's competing against head to head. And the job that Dabo Swinney has done, making that an institution and a constant presence, it's astonishing. Say what you will about him, and I will, and a lot of other people will too. (laughs) But um, him keeping Clemson this organizationally intact, present, and relevant for this long, um, that is like a Taylor Swiftian run of relevance, right? (laughs) Like that is staying on the charts and getting bigger and making sure that you're always somewhere on the air. That's what Clemson is Uh, recruiting wise and on the field. They've managed to do it with a lot of turnover in the coaching staff too, right? For Mm -hmm. better and worse. Um, You know, there's some drama there, but even that kind of drama results in what a disappointing 10 win season. So it's amazing that they've been that good that long, given the neighborhood they're competing in. I think the ACC also um, historically, that's a basketball conference. You know, it really is. And a lot of the best athletes don't end up playing football or didn't historically end up playing football. And I don't know how much that has changed, even with the increase in football money, because, you know, a lot of these schools that they've added, like the value adds for the ACC back in the day were Virginia Tech and Miami. You come into the league, we're going to add Virginia Tech and Miami. Miami lost its recruiting advantage because everybody takes South Florida now everybody and just and they used to be able to wall off dade county and broward county and take the best and everyone else had to take the rest um they went in the tank that stopped and south florida is no longer even close to a slight secret in terms of a recruiting hotbed it's where everybody pulls talent from so their pipeline got cut off quick virginia tech's virginia tech's best players and correct me if i am wrong this was a big tidewater territory, massive tidewater territory. No longer a secret, no longer the sole province of Frank Beamer and company. Other people grab that talent too. So a lot of it's it's historical recruiting hotbeds as a conference. I just picked two examples of that. Um, a, a, and 
they went dry or they became mm-hmm. or they yielded less talent with more competition than they did before. And I think another part of it is management. I think a lot of it is is bad hiring. I think a lot of it are hires that just didn't work out. I don't want to call all of those hires bad, but there were just some that that didn't work. Some are fluky. Like I think Bronco Mendenhall was a really good hire at UVA. I think he did a really good job. And then he just got tired of it. And he quit. Yeah. Like, dude, you can't do anything (laughs) about that. And you take a pretty nice piece, not a cornerstone of the conference. I wouldn't call them that football-wise. But you take them and you boot them out. Then you have other guys who just, I don't, they're in weird locations that don't necessarily pull the kind of attention they used to. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of Syracuse, Mm -hmm. which Syracuse, it's an odd program. It's an odd fit. It's in an odd space. They they have to recruit a very specific kind of player to get there and to stay there. Um, that hire, I don't think, like when you go, like, did that hire work out? Did the Dino Babers hire work out? I go, not exactly. Yeah. Not really. Not, not exactly. He might have saved his job last year by starting so well, but yeah. it's it's not pretty. Um, it's, not and, what, it's not what you expected. Right? No. Right. No, and and you make a lot of good points. Uh, the recruiting, the the recruiting in the state football at a high school mm-hmm. level in a lot of the states that we're in, Massachusetts, New York, upstate New York, um, even the seven five seven you talked about, like the talent mm-hmm. isn't what it used to be. Now there's still a lot of talent, Richmond and Northern Virginia and stuff, but it, you make a very good point. And Clemson, you, you mentioned how astonishing it is how good they've been for so long. They deal with the same problems that we do, and the like where we are. Clemson is in the middle of nowhere. And so yeah. you are right. Like the Frank Beamer run, um, while not as successful as Clemson's run, is similar in nature. And you're right. I, I think I, I think a better job, by the way. Yeah. Like <laughs> I do. Like I think I think Beamer did a better job than Dabo's done there, just because the floor was there wasn't yeah. a floor. We never had a natty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was, it was, we never it was had anything. <laughs> and, had... and Clemson's dealing with it now. I mean, South Carolina's coming in and giving them headaches right now with, mm-hmm. with Shane's coming in recruiting really well. So they're, they're not even immune to, you know, the damages of, of the recruiting. And I think, I think your point is, is so interesting if we flash this forward, because, you know, you have Georgia, they can they can recruit that state. You take somebody like LSU, but mm-hmm. Alabama and Auburn. What's that recruiting gonna look like moving forward? Can states moving forward into a thirty six really sustain two schools? Any state outside of maybe like a California or a Florida? Um, it's gonna it's gonna be wild, and um, we'll see. And and we're talking about states like. Virginia has added an FBS school like every year for four years now. Like there's a lot of FBS schools I, in Virginia. I, I, didn't, I didn't even mention that. You guys are getting in-state competition from JMU's schools. JMU's good. That, dude, <laughs> J, J, listen, JMU will be like, I think they already have a claim to be the best run program in the state right now. Like that's the best managed program. Yeah. And it's the one that honestly probably has the most potential. Because, you know, you've seen what Virginia Tech looks like at full throat. You've seen what they look like when the volume's up and what it looks like looks pretty good it's a lot of potential but we've been close to it before i don't we haven't scratched what jmu can do yeah yeah and and that's a scary thought right mm-hmm. and you got to kind of keep them at bay and hope they don't start popping up into a i mean i love the sunbelt 
but it, it, it right now it's just a little bit lower of a conference than than we're in. But it's a fear going forward, having ODU and JMU and UVA all competing. Like we need to stay a step ahead. Like that's mm-hmm. why we need Pry to kind of be the guy to to cure some of those failures that that Fuente had here. And so um, there is like with regard to the ACC, let's let's move forward just a little bit here. There's reason for hope, I think, this year with the conference, and it would be a good year for us to look good because I think the quarterback play in the ACC could be significantly better. If we looked at last year, outside of Drake May and Jordan Travis, Devin Leary, TVD, Armstrong, Jerkovic, DJ, like they all kind of fell flat of expectations. Like, way below where we were hoping they'd be. Like, we thought Tyler Van Dyke was going to be potentially – you know, a draft pick or something. I mean, he would, yeah. he had a lot of hype coming into last year, this year with uh, some of these guys moving around in the conference, Drake may coming back, Jordan Travis coming back. You got club Nick. I'll, I'll put up the list here. Do you think Spencer that this is a year where the ACC could benefit from these quarterbacks really like taking a step forward? I think mm-hmm. top to bottom, it could be the best conference of quarterbacks. It's a very good one. I don't know if I'm going to say best, but it is competitive. How's that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of ifs here. A lot of ifs. Yeah. I will tell you that the upside. If I was looking at upside, your delta from last year to this year, the delta is looking pretty sexy, y'all. Because, um, and I say that because you have so many good quarterbacks um, who might be iffy in terms of existing record but I think are going to end up in really cozy spots, right? Um, I'm talking mostly about Klubnik and Van Dyke because both of them, I think, are going to end up in situations. Clemson's going to run the crap out of the ball, y'all. Mm-hmm. Clemson, I don't know if you know this about Garrett Riley, but they run the ball much more <laughs> than they pass. They That's are something I learned from your piece, actually. Yeah, I, they... I, I didn't really know that. Um mm-hmm to a man but i that that's it was interesting and running the ball fixes everything running the ball fixes everything if you can do it half effectively you don't have to do it full effectively you don't have to rely on it as the main bread and butter you just have to do it in order to make people respect run lanes and open up the passing game that's it and i think they're going to do a very good job of that because they have will shipley at running back and a pretty good offensive line not great but pretty good van dyke van dyke I, I think last year he was asked to do too much. I do not think he is a full field read quarterback at all. And I think that's okay in college. I think if you can give somebody one or two good options, that's really all somebody with that kind of arm really needs. You'll live or you'll die with him. He will make mistakes. But I think that with a simplified system where he's got a little more protection in the run game and doesn't have to do as many kind of like RPO reads, I don't think that was a great fit for him. I think that's one reason why um, they made the change at offensive coordinator. So I think Van Dyke, when things are simplified, uh, Van Dyke is very much, by the way, a like, let's rock QB, right? <laughs> yes. yeah. Like he is very much, a, a, what is our, our language rating here? Uh, you can do whatever you want. Whatever. He's very much a fuck it, we ball quarterback. Like he is 100% that dude. Like a Brett Farvian type. Uh... Uh, he, uh, listen, he's going to throw He's gonna throw an interception. He's not going to feel bad about it because he gets to throw another pass, right? Like that's it. He's like, well, I'll get the next one. Like he's very much that kind of dude. Um, Phil Jerkovic. Oh, man, I'm not putting a pit guy on this list. A pit guy is, that's a game manager at best. And that is by design. That is not Phil's fault. Uh, Riley Leonard, like him a lot. Garrett Schrader, uh, entertaining. 
He's very entertaining. <laughs> Garrett Schrader started at Mississippi State, and I think in yeah, his first run. start took a helicopter hit um, from a daring run through the defense that no sane man should have taken. So Garrett Schrader is at least going to be entertaining. Uh, I like Griffiths. Jack Plummer. If you want to talk about somebody, just take take your upside and go expected yardage. Like if you could get a bet on expected yardage and just take it, take that. Yes. Brome will make you productive. He yes. will 100% make you productive. And he was productive with Cal. So <laughs> you've yeah. got to have some production with Louisville. The betting lines are going to be high on that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Real, real high. If you uh, want to talk about somebody, by the way, who is another uh, bombs away offensive guy who also believes the run fixes things. 100% bro. They they will make you respect the run to the point where you get a lot of good looks downfield. And Grant Wells needs to hand the ball off. Yeah. We're going through all of them. Grant Wells <laughs> needs to just hand the ball off. There's nothing wrong with that because y'all are going to have a defense and you should just go back to your roots. Let's just like, I didn't, everybody looks at Virginia Tech and they're like, oh, I don't know about the offense. I'm like, since when have we cared? Yeah. That's yeah. like, since when have we cared? The Virginia Tech teams that were really great had some of the most plotting high school grade strategic yep. offenses <laughs> you've Good ever defense seen. and run the ball yeah. just punt just punt <laughs> baby it's fine and brent pry has said he does want to have a run game he wants to focus on he wants to have a quarterback that can run the football a little bit more this year and so that is going to be a focus and grant wells he can move for being in that air raid system at Marshall and having a, a good gun, like he can move with his legs a little bit. So whether or not he beats out drones, which I, I do think that he will. And Rob and I'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, he he's, we're going to run the football. And so he won't, the pressure of him to make plays with his arms, hopefully won't be as high as long as Malachi Thomas and Bashal Tootin is good. If they're, if they're healthy and playing well, we'll have some success in the offense, but back to the quarterbacks. Yes, I, I agree with Spencer. To be the best conference, you have to beat out the Pac-12 this year because for the, for quarterbacks because they have Bo Nix, they have Caleb Williams, which I never thought I'd be adding Bo Nix to a top quarterback yep. in the league. <laughs> no, we're all but, there. But, but <laughs> Bo Nix, Caleb Williams, Cam Rising, and Penix. You know that's a mm -hmm. that's a killer four. And so what hinges on the ACC being the premier quarterback conference is really TVD Armstrong and and to a lesser extent Jerkovic, like having those new OCs. Armstrong fitting back in with a nine on NC state. He doesn't have the weapons maybe that he did at, at UVA, but like that could be really explosive. Yeah. I think no. the, the, the Jerkovic is my favorite is that um, he's got two teams on his schedule that he played for, which is probably <laughs> the first time I think that I've ever heard of that happening, hey, which guys. is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Pitt man, Pitt's like Pitt likes their quarterbacks. Well-traveled like, I, I think it's very hard to look at Pat Narduzzi as somebody who even like wants the offense to be good. Like I think he <laughs> he wants them to be a little inert so he can just punt and play defense. Yeah, because they had Slovis last year. Yeah, um, a little bit of a journeyman himself, and, and now they're bringing in Jerk. Um, and and Jerkovic, he's shown flashes, and we'll see if he he reignites some of that that form he had with Signetti before. Uh, one last question before we move exclusively just to last few tech questions. Who do you have winning the conference this year in the ACC? Do you have a pick? Clemson. I'm not a, a I'm not an original or innovative thinker. I do think that Florida State is right there, and I think that Florida State um they're just they're my favorite team to watch in the conference because they play with such aggression and confidence. It is yeah. it's just on like if they miss a play, I like, you know you've seen like 
there are teams that are disciplined and teams that are disciplined when they miss a play um you know they come back and they correct the issue when florida state misses a play they just don't care man they just <laughs> you know they're like we'll get it back they're, they're very much the tyler van dyke category Missed of play. The ball again yeah and i think that's that's like that's straight from norvell he's a guy who I, I think when I think back to like my favorite teams of the century, several of them, I think there's, you know, like one or two of those Memphis teams on there because those Memphis teams are hilarious. They didn't, it didn't really matter who they had. They would just make it work and yep. their tight end would be open and they would get the right screen at the right time. And they might be down 21 and it was fine. So yep. I like that kind of insurgent football. I really do. I think it's, I think it's really, really fun to watch. I don't think they're quite there talent wise with Clemson and the addition of Garrett Riley at offensive coordinator, I think starts to fix. I didn't say fixed, but I think it starts to fix a lot of the kind of, I think they got stale. I think they got yeah. real fixed in their ways and they got real easy to read as a result, which is why the run game still works. Cause you know, you might read the run game and tough you can't block it, right? Yeah. You can't block it. But I think it hurt. I, I think they, they might have lost a good potential QB in DJ Uyangalele, um, in terms of development. I just don't think he. They got lucky twice. They got lucky twice. Um, very, in a row. very lucky. Very lucky. <laughs> they got super lucky with Trevor Lawrence in that they changed quarterbacks to a freshman, and it turns out that freshman had poise beyond his years. Yeah. Like not just you know, uh, you know, okay, he plays like a sophomore. No, he played like a, a senior. Yeah. As you know, so they got extremely lucky. And then they actually had to develop a quarterback and sort of struggle with him. And they didn't catch the timing right. They didn't have the right guy. They didn't have the right talent. Um, and I think that, you know, I hope big things for DJ Uyangalele at, at Oregon State. I hope he does really well there. He's in very good hands. That is one of the best coaching staffs in the country. That's gonna be fun to watch. Yes. I hope so. I hope like they just they do so many things to just make a quarterback super comfortable right they run the ball they give you shifts to make the defense you know like clarify so that you can see what you see pre-snap like they just do a lot of cool stuff man and yeah. I, I think he, hopefully he'll reboot and do well there i think With the pressure got... off as well i mean yeah. that's a fan base where you know that they they have expectations your expectation is trevor the... lawrence yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not great to follow that's for sure <laughs> no like 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 what your your low end there is what taj boyd right <laughs> taj boyd was awesome he was incredible yeah. <laughs> it was amazing he blew yeah. people up man like that's that's that you don't want that you want kate klubnik who's already had this like quiet year of being somewhat productive and then you get a new OC, and now he's going to have a lot of open looks. He's going to have a lot of easy throws. And so I, I think it, it'd be hard to not pick Clemson for just based on the moves that they made this offseason. But Florida State, man, Florida State's right there. Yeah, Florida State's one of those teams. They're they're never going to be out of the game. And I no. think you you mentioned that. They're just – the no lead is going to be safe against that team. That yeah. That's really what it's all about with them. Moving to us, your Virginia Tech preview in that article was short. Uh, yes. just, a, just, a, just a little blur. Deservedly so. Yeah, good, I mean, it wasn't a great year for us. It said, um, this is the quote, another scrimmage year for one of ACC's most drastic rebuilds, but they do have a Georgia Southern transfer named Derek Canteen. So, you know, there's that. And yeah. Derek Canteen <laughs> has low-key been the best transfer we brought in. Every a coach monster. <laughs> raves about him. Yeah. Every coach we have raves about him. He's going to be our nickel guy. And it's perfect because he's kind of a safety 
kind of a corner and mm-hmm. that's perfect for the nickel old school whip Virginia Tech, which they're, uh, you know, it will be substituted for a star linebacker at times, but Canteen's going to be really, really good for us. I'm excited about that addition. Yeah, if you can take a guy from somewhere um, south of Macon, do it. <laughs> uh, just, just kind of in general, like I don't know, he's kind of a project. Take him, you know, because all of all those dudes, those dudes have no hobbies, right? There's nothing. <laughs> there's not a lot to do. So yeah. this, they they footballed very hard, right? And they played. <laughs> in really hot circumstances so chances are when you take them to the mere 90 degrees of the virginia tech practice field today who they, they got miles miles yeah. to go before they get tired uh, the, get the preview the, the preview was short but like tech's defense on the whole when you look at the depth chart right not that i have studied it to the extent you guys have yeah. um yeah. but there's promise there there's some yeah. production there's a lot of there there's some talent and if you can be a thorn in someone's side if you can be an obstruction and if you can go ahead and be one of those teams that tries to steal it in the fourth quarter there's potential there right and that's really what you need as a program right you know if you could get to six wins this year i mean fantastic yeah you'd be thrilled right yes by the way where you're kind of on the same page as a florida fan we go graham mertz at quarterback okay let's get to six baby let's get to six we have what top five recruiting class let's just just hold baby just hold which that that recruiting class for florida came out of nowhere it was like it wasn't going well and then all of a sudden you had all these great yes it was you know it's wild this is lane kiffin again coming to the rescue because Lane Kiffin trolled Florida when Ole Miss pulled a recruit office like on I think June 16th or something yeah. uh and and trolled us on Twitter yeah and after that like the universe heard Lane Kiffin and was like oh he's happy we can't we can't have that none of that yeah no so then all of a sudden recruits started that was by the way around the same time when Florida starts getting its NIL together that's yeah because there was a, a massive embarrassment after when it the came story, to losing yeah. Jaden Rashada um, who's now at Arizona State for not as much money as he promised, right? right. NIL's a NIL's a fickle market, and not and that, that that money was ever real, but that's bitter. Not ending up at Arizona State, great place. He'll have yeah. a phenomenal time. Arizona State's basically the Florida of the West Coast, right? Right, the University of Florida of the West Coast. <laughs> yes, you're not going to have a bad time there. He's, he's not no. going to have a bad time. It's just it, the the pay will be a little bit little bit lower. So, the yeah. pay will be a little bit lower, but man, Scottsdale doesn't cost that much. Nope. Tempe doesn't cost that much. No, he gets to see the waste management, so he'll be good. <laughs> greatest, golf ter- greatest golf tournament in the universe. Another line from the preview that I enjoyed was that all the coaches uh, in the ACC could be nondescript hand puppets named Jeff. And I yep. know that's, <laughs> that's obviously a joke and a slight exaggeration because Dabo has a quantifiable personality and is, is a star, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But I do agree on the whole, and I assume Brent Pry was one of those faceless Jeffs in in that description. He, he, he is. I know. I know he's not. Like I could <laughs> yeah. find Brent Pry out of a lineup. I can hear his voice. He's got a good head of hair. Right? He does have a good head of hair. He is. He's extremely coachy. Like he is not like he's not a Dave Clawson type where you go. Yeah, this guy's an environmental engineer. This guy's <laughs> an architect. I can't quite figure it out, you know? Okay. Um, maybe he does lighting for really expensive concert tours. Like, he just seems like one of those guys, a technician of some sort. Uh, that ain't Brett Pry. Y'all, y'all got yourself a football-ass football coach? Um, yeah, you he's know, your but really that like, loves ball. That's, that's yeah, who he is. <laughs> dude, dude, listen, that's exactly it. That's what you want. You want a guy who says the word program. You don't want a guy who says program. Um, 
and you got one of those so congrats i by the way Dabo could be named jeff though yeah. like, look at him <laughs> yeah, he, he looks like a jeff he does he look like a jeff. be a jeff and you know him. what we actually lost a jeff but we replaced him with a Brent. So now we got two Brents in the contract. <laughs> my, my, my point stands. Yeah. As a distant observer to a program, uh, sometimes the objectivity is helpful to diagnose what's going on in a school. Like, oh yeah, that guy is cooked. That's mm-hmm. not going to work out. And Mel Tucker comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe before the Bobby Petrino or even after the Bobby Petrino ad, Jimbo Fisher comes to mind. Like it yeah. just, it doesn't look so good. It's, it's not going well. What would be your 10,000 foot view of what's going on at tech under coach pry? And that, do you think if your read is the vibes are good? Is it going the right direction? Vibes are okay. And I think that's probably the best outcome you can have right now. Vibes are okay. Uh, and if the vibes go from okay to good this year, that's awesome. That's exactly what you want. And you have to know, and I am speaking again as, with some sympathy um, as a fan of a program that is undergoing a steady, slow, but convincing rebuild Right. that you just have to chill, mm-hmm. right? And as a fan, there's going to be some moments where you go, this house doesn't look finished because it's not, you know, you might go through another year where there is nothing resembling offense, right? right? And that has so little to do with what the coaches are trying to do on the field or what the players are trying to do it's a matter of talent Mm -hmm. that's it it is a matter of talent so if it doesn't look ambitious there's a reason right the defense defense might have a job might be doing three squares a day hitting the gym right dating nice car (laughs) the offense is just trying to get out of bed Mm -hmm. that's it just like trying to brush teeth and that again there's not much you can do to control that at the coaching level right now. You can make them good. You can make sure they hit their assignments right. But sometimes, man, and I think this is what I always want people to understand. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, help me out. NC State had a defensive end, an absolute nightmare first-round defensive end uh, about seven or eight years ago. Okay? okay? And I cannot remember his name because it is a name that other, like a lot of other football players have um, i remember mario guy, williams no not <laughs> yeah. mario, mario williams. williams was when you started uh your blog that was a lot yeah. that was a not lot mario Will- no but i'm not far from i'm not far no, from you're right and he was in that play where like nc state was in that game where they blocked the kick or something and he was involved i remember the guy i can't remember his name so he's on the screen i had a, a friend of mine Stephen white who was on the usf staff at the time and he was looking at him and uh, was like, man, I I don't know if we can block this guy. Like, <laughs> they're just looking at him and they're like, I don't know what to do. No, it was Mario Williams. Yeah, this was way back when. So it was Mario Williams, 2007. Okay. Okay. This yeah. is when Steven was on, uh, was doing quality control. Anyway, so he's looking at them and Mario, and he's going, what do we do? Like, what do we do? And Jim yeah. Levitt, who... Uh, is still in the game as the defensive yeah. coordinator, I believe, at Colorado this USF year. USF fame. Of USF fame. He started that program, and he walks in. And you would expect him as a defensive coordinator who worked with, among other people, Bob Stoops and Brett Venables and uh, learned under Bill Snyder at, like, you know, a place where they did everything well and they had answers for everything. 
Jim Levitt walks in the room. It's all dark. The door opens up, and he's sort of, you know, silhouetted. And he looks. And they go, yeah, man, we're looking at Mario. You got any suggestions? And he looks at him and goes, ah, good luck with that, Joker. And he shuts the door. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that's it. That's hilarious. And, like, like that's going to be the case for a lot of Virginia Tech dudes, particularly on offense this year. The dude across from you, you're like, I, you can come up with as many stunts and you can come up with as many screens as possible to get around this guy. But uh, sometimes, sometimes you're going to face two or three teams where they're just better at every point. Yeah. And I don't think we realized that during the season last year, just how yeah. untalented our roster was. And since the year ended, and even going back to last year too, of the 20 or 20 plus transfers that have hit the portal since Brent Pry got here, 12 of them have gone to community college or FCS. And yeah. I dare you to find any school in the country, any power five school in the country that has had more FCS transfers than our school. Like it, it was so wholly untalented. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I don't think most tech fans realized while it was going on. And it takes time. It's not just going to happen in 18 months or what will be, you yep. know, a, a season and off season and a full season. It's going to take more time, but I do think probably did a good job in the portal this year, did a good job with some of the recruits and hopefully develop developing some of the guys that are here, but we are firmly on, the ball coach plan, as you put it, where mm -hmm. it's, it's not, a, we're not going to be a factory, you know, a recruiting factory team. That's not what we're going to do. We, we need coaches that know how to coach, know how to develop. And yes, we can pull those four stars from Richmond and out of North Carolina and none such, but there's only going to be so many. So we're going to have to coach them up. Yeah. The good news is, is that with the portal and player mobility being better than it's ever been, your talent level it can go up pretty appreciably mm -hmm. very quickly. Mm -hmm. So yes, be patient, but also know if you're looking in the right places, Florida state's a great example of this. You can find guys um, who were under scouted and developed late and can be a real asset to your program. Florida state's done a really good job of that. Oh yeah. That's why I do. I do really like Florida state this year and all the things you said about Clemson have me rethinking my thought process on that, but like, that's going to be a showdown and I hopefully yeah. we'll get to see it twice. Speaking of a totally different approach to the portal. Yeah. Totally. Do you know the number of transfers that Clemson has taken this year? Like one, one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uno. That's yeah. Dabo, Dabo hates the portal. <laughs> he hates the portal. He's I'm pretty sure portal. that guy's already been at Clemson too. Like, I think yeah. that guy was either like, oh, really? or spent like a summer that, yeah, like I'm not getting it totally right, but like the guy that they bought, brought in was already theirs to one respect. So like, yeah, he's, that's a totally different approach to it. Whereas teams like Florida state and Virginia tech business is open. Yeah. Dabo's going to, he's going to ride that hate for the transfer for, all the way like he 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 can't you don't go think back he'll change his tune he can't he, he <laughs> he'll, change, so he'll change his tune if he starts losing yeah, yeah. that's 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 yeah. mike krzyzewski absolutely hated the new wave in college basketball until he figured out how to do it yeah. and nick saban uh nick saban absolutely hated the spread offense until it became the thing that got them into a second round of dynasties so yeah yeah you, if you're going to be the best coach, you need to learn to adapt. And you, that was a great point on Shashevsky and, and, and as well as Saban. Um, it, I got a couple more things and we'll let you go. What should the on-field identity be for Virginia Tech? When Just overall and then 
maybe on offense, what, what should VT be known for? Is it the traditional Beamer ball style? Yeah, it's the traditional Beamer ball style, but it's also a great underdog strategy, which Virginia Tech will be an underdog. So you're going to go one of two ways as an underdog. You can attempt to create as many snaps in a game as possible in order to hope that something good happens, or you can try to shorten the game. That's it. Pick one. And I think it's very clear that with a defense that is the strength of the team, you want them on the field as little as possible. And with an offense that is not the strength of the team, you want them to go as slow and deliberately as possible and eat clock and kick and end every end every drive with a kick but in your case that'll probably mean field goals and punts most of the time and hope the defense does good things that's you're going to want to go very old school because it still works like that's that's the thing football can work a lot of different ways but um but there are a few that are tried true and never really go out of style and it's the style that virginia tech rode to prominence the first time that they really attained national prominence. And I think it's the thing that's going to get them back on track again if they can do it. Defense is not a lost art, but it's not far from a lost art. Yeah. So if you can be the team that nobody wants to face, if you can be the body blow team, um, if you can be the team that, you know, when you catch your wins this season, you probably want to catch, you know, like look ahead to the schedule. There's going to be teams on. that are I wanna, coming off I of wanna, I want to play a game with you with this schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. So let, let's do that now. Uh, we're going to play finding wins. And so we went okay. Okay. We, we went three and eight last year. And most fans believe that to be a floor, hopefully. So okay. I'm putting the schedule up on the screen. And I want you to tell me the three most likely wins for Virginia Tech. And if you want to go beyond that, feel free. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take Rutgers. Nice. I'm going to that game. Yeah, yeah you're going to beat Rutgers. They're okay. very, they're not, they're not good. That's, I'm going to try to be kind. They're not good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, uh, I'll say that in the most Jersey way I could possibly say it. <laughs> they're, not, they're, they're not good. Um, Order. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think you beat Rutgers. Um, I think Marshall is also, Marshall's a coin flip. That's mm -hmm. a coin flip. That's a that being on the road and after two P5s isn't great. That's not good. It's no. not good at all. Um, I think getting Syracuse at home is looking – that's a good pull. Thursday I night. Think you, I think you – yeah. I think it's at night. It's on a Thursday. It's a short week. If you just hit Syracuse in the face for four quarters, <laughs> that's pretty much what you want to do and win it like 10-7. That'd be perfect. <laughs> Y'all be thrilled with that. I'd be thrilled for you. That'd be an yeah. ACC Thursday night game. That's that's so perfect. Oh, man. Yeah. The score. That yeah, that really is. How do you and feel then, about the opener there, Spencer? The, not touching it with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> I've seen ODU deliver early stunners before. I'm not going to – no. Yeah. Y'all have seen yes. it as well. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so I don't – Ricky Ronnie and Ricky Ronnie in September is a dangerous – quantity so i'm not gonna touch that with a 10 foot pole if you want the third one that i think you got take a road win baby i think you you, you beat virginia all right thank you okay thank you i, so there's, I, I love it we didn't want to touch odu either so uh, yeah so. <laughs> no no one no one would no one would you know that's like for me like as a like from my perspective as a florida fan if i see kentucky on the schedule now i'm like don't touch it I don't want to know. They're it's mean. funny, like that that streak finally broke, and now that's like a terrifying game every year. It's a terrifying. Yeah. They're mean, man. They're they're a very mean team. They they yeah. play 
they play trench football. They really do. It's, like, it's, that's... No, they bring shovels. It's yeah, not fun. That's setting up a tripwire in your own house. A great idea yeah. when somebody breaks in, except, yeah, yeah you don't yeah, know where it is. It's... And it's, you know, it's 1 a.m. and you're stumbling around at ODU trying to figure every out. Game, every game is home alone when you play ODU and you're with your tech. All right. I got one more question for you here. What game on this schedule has the potential to be the most go ACC game? I mean, and I think you know what I mean by that. I do, I do, and it's November fourth at Louisville. I I, I almost knew you were going to say that. That's because yep. it really mm-hmm. that game is weird. Uh, they have a lot of pieces to gel on Louisville this year, and the offense should be good. We're probably going to have to put up some points. It could get a little weird. That's a yeah. weird game, is what you need to know. The most go ACC game we've already talked about which is a Thursday night game. That's the most go ACC game. But if I can get anything else, if that Saturday game at Louisville is a noon game, and if it's on like at least ESPN 12, that is the most, that is the most. The CW. Game. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> if we can if get you on Virginia the- Tech with Syracuse was in the carrier dome, then it would be like, bing, oh, bing, yeah. bing, bing, bing. <laughs> like, you know, alarms yeah, go off. Oh, that would be a loss for us. The, like the, the fact that the fact that we get to televise, uh enter sandman that really raises it above the level of go acc classic right that's because you'll at least get that that november 4th game at louisville oh that's mm, that's rich because that feels like a game that feels like a game where louisville like you know they're aggressive and when you're aggressive sometimes you make mistakes and virginia tech just eating like four turnovers (laughs) right that (laughs) That Kelly Lawson goes nuts, knocks down a few balls. Half, yeah, right, right. That yeah. just feels like a game where, like, maybe there's a team trying too much, and then there's another team that's like, we're going to do nothing but beat you up and stand here. So, like, <laughs> I think that's the like the immovable object versus the irresistible force. The opposite of both <laughs> might be the case there. It's, it's well, you know, it's a different coaching staff, but Louisville lost to BC last year. So they, I mean, that's Hey, no, but that's a, that's a talent judgment and I'm happy with it. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> that's very, very much like, yeah. I like, and in case, if you want to take an option on the Boston college is the next week, that is prime go ACC territory. First two weeks in November. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chestnut Hill for us is usually a house of horror. So not, yes. not too pumped about that. And then of course we have Pitt on the schedule. So, and Pitt will do Pitt things and you just, you never know Man, with the Pitt game. I'd hate playing them every year. It's what horrible. A, what a fr- what it's a frustrating horrible. experience. Yeah. Cambridge is louder than uh, than Chestnut Hill. I went to, and I went to school there. It's, uh, it's yeah. sleepy town. Sleepy town. I did want to bring up uh, Spencer's UVA preview because I tweeted it out from our account earlier and it got like, you know, 10,000 views or something because for a Virginia Tech fan, it was sweet. And it's just that the key thing to remember about UVA, they've never been good at football. They will never be good at football. Uh, and if you want information on Virginia's team here, we're here to assure you that no, you don't. <laughs> and and that is perfect because I do think UVA is going to be on the struggle bus this year. And that's music to our ears. And so we appreciate you for that. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. I had people in my mentions who very, not, not truculently, but people who were like, well, you know, you know, they had a good team in 1995. And I'm like, you are proving my point. Yes. Well, the the Barber brothers. Yes. The Barber brothers. Tiki Barber is their claim to fame. So, uh, yeah. Yes. So, Spencer, are you drinking anything over there just so I can check off that box? Not at the moment. I came to you guys straight from uh, making dinner. Okay. So, I'm not doing it, but I have a banh mi. 
I love <laughs> See, it. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I have a, I, this is the best. I am, we're drinking. I have a non-alcoholic beer. You have a bond me and uh, Pete, it's just you. I've that's got the, the 9.5 juicy monkey here uh, for nice. victory. So, and this is have, actually supreme. So I, I will, I will promise a beer. I have some like founders breakfast stout and I drink oh. like one. I will that's, have one. Is it 12%? Is that, is that what that one is? It's up. You there. know, I'm not a big numbers guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll just. What am I? Founders a beer, a beer accountant. Phenomenal. It is. Yeah. I was promised there'd be no math. Yeah. Uh, are you a standard lager kind of guy? Do you like the crispy boys, pilsners? Like, what's your craft? I know. I got to like. I, I got two kinds. I like. My, I like stouts. Okay. Because I don't know. I just kind of like a. I like it to taste like coffee. There's something yep. great in going from drinking coffee, coffee all day people, to drinking so. beer coffee. So uh, I like stouts and I like uh, Mexicans, baby. Like yeah. I like any good old fashioned like Mexican drinking beer. So if That's you are hipster, a Modelo. You like that Tecate in a can for three bucks. Dude, you can still get Tecate in a can in New York City for like three bucks. That's it's a miracle. <laughs> it's, it's a miracle. Ab- <laughs> yeah. Like Tecate is, Tecate is great. Modelo is great. Uh, you know, Pacifico is magnificent. I love them. They taste like nothing. Uh, and you can drink 400 of them and have a wonderful time. No, that's a good answer. Do you, uh, do you partake in the, any of the hard liquors or are you just a, a beer, beer guy? Um, every now and then, um, my personal favorite is tequila, which I understand people are like, Ooh, it's a nightmare. I don't know what you're doing. Tequila is <laughs> wonderful. All yes. of you are fucking up. Every, Sipping like, tequila is, is, is good. And yeah. I feel like it, there's been a drink. bit of a, resurgence or just a surgence of tequila these days it's getting mm-hmm. much more popular everyone's got the white bottle with the blue paint i can't recall the name at the time but that's a that's a very popular one mm-hmm. um, i'm in infuri- i'm infuriated at how good um i'm infuriated at how good celebrity tequilas are i don't want them to be good <laughs> but like casamigos you're like ah it's good oh this sucks <laughs> i hate giving it credit you're like terramana how is it you're like ah it's okay it's pretty good yeah. I want it to suck, but it doesn't. Like tequila is delicious. I don't know what you people are doing. Probably doing shots of it. That's yeah. very stupid. You don't want to do shots of Cuervo. Let's put it that don't, way. Don't 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 do that to yourself. It's delicious. <laughs> mezcal. Like why are you doing a shot of mezcal? Mezcal yeah. is just. It's like the stout of. Uh, well, it's not the stout of of you know liquors, but that's probably Scotch if we're being honest, right? Yeah. But um, but I do that. I drink a little bit of bourbon, but I don't ever want to associate with bourbon snobbery because that Mm -hmm. just seems dumb because like you know it's so close to it's so close in nature to being like moonshine like just in terms of like its cousin uh and occasionally there is actually a jug of shine somewhere in here nice which is like you know that's like a once a month like hey i got a jug of shine i should take a shot you do it and you go that's that's it hits you right here like spencer if you're looking for a recommendation so out of richmond hardywood park has mm-hmm. a kentucky christmas morning um beer it's a beer at this Ooh. it is a stout uh kentucky bourbon stout it is a little bit high in the numbers let's put it that way um, okay but it is absolutely phenomenal it's great it, it's yeah. you can only drink you know it's a bomber bottle so usually you, you only get three you got to no, share yeah. it with some people but it is it's pretty mind-blowing that's probably if you love stouts uh and you partake now and again in, in the bourbon it is 
it's pretty unbelievable. I like they, a stout. The stout that tastes just like an entire um, an entire ecosystem. That's my favorite. <laughs> you know? It has layers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I like one that's an entire biome. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's funny you say the thing about bourbon snobbery because Virginia Tech fans think that. Wild Turkey 101 is premium bourbon, so we're, you're not going to get right. any of that snobbery. They're here. right. <laughs> I have been there. I've got it some sitting over re- there. So it goes really well with the turkey leg. Yeah. It sure as hell does. It sure does. Well, we can't thank you enough for coming on with us. Yeah. We wanted to ask you what you got coming up. Uh, do you want to plug anything? I mean, I pe- think people know the Twitter handle. Uh, it's it's a very well followed handle. It's just um, every day should be Saturday. You, EB, I can't do the letters right E-D-S-B-S. now, but you S B S S E S Yes. Uh anything to plug? Yep. You can uh subscribe to our college football writings and more at channel six if you would like to pay to read our conference previews. We have done all power five conferences, including one that doesn't exist anymore. The SEC one is this week. Nice. Um, so that's going to be the every SEC game preview where you just try to write two or three sentences about every game the SEC will play. Nice. Um <laughs> wow. yeah, it's it's exhausting. <laughs> Um, it's dumb. Like some of them are just so dumb, but, uh, you'll get one for every game. Uh, so don't say you didn't get your money's worth. Uh, then you can also listen to the shutdown full cast and subscribe to that. That is our, uh, it's the only college football podcast, which is why I'm glad you guys have a Virginia tech podcast. Otherwise we would have to sue for copyright infringement. <laughs> um, so you can subscribe to that. That is the show I host with Jason Kirk, Rat and Annie, and Holly Anderson. Great show. Um, we'll do Amazing. that twice a week during the season, once a week in the off season, including a live show just after the games on Saturday. Uh, if you're in F1, also do a podcast with Jessica Smetana called uh, DNF. That is extremely fun. Sometimes do stuff for ESPN there. And from time to time, you'll see me on Debatable on ESPN, uh, wherever you get your social media sports shows. How do you have any time? Like I, I just, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you came on with us, but like I said, I feel bad you spending your time with us. We got to send a check over. To you, like you know what? I'll send you a sticker if you give me your address. But that's, no, that's, 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 totally, that's, that's totally fine. That's you see. That's the reason I do this is so I can show people like you know my Warhammer figures. That's it. That's the in exchange. I have to be like, don't you think that's cool? You know? That's why I'm showing you my pillow pet back here. Uh, that nice the bird. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, Spencer, we'll let you go, man. Thank you again for coming on with us. All right. Yeah, Thank you so much. Bye. I appreciate it. Wow. That was awesome. Yeah. Phenomenal. <laughs> really, really enjoyed that. Uh, Rob, what are you drinking over there? Let's let's move to that real quick. All right. I am having the Closer by the Mile. It's um, an athletic brewing beer. Uh, it was a collaboration beer for the Pan Mass Challenge, which is – a big Massachusetts uh, biking um, um, uh, fundraiser for cancer. They raised like $54 million this Holy year. Um, so yeah, it, it's like a major, major thing. So uh, delicious. This is like their second or third year uh, doing this um, non-alcoholic collaboration beer. And it is very good. Nice. What are you, And you said what you were having. Yeah, I'm having the Juicy Monkey. It's a hazy imperial IPA from... Victory, which is obviously right. in Pennsylvania, and they've opened up a couple other uh, brew houses, Delaware or maybe Southeast PA, but regardless, Victory's great, and this beer is freaking awesome. It's 9.5%. You get a lot of the juicy flavors you might expect, pineapple, orange, uh, some some lotus and sultana hops. That's a that's a hops I haven't even heard of. Whoa. It's, it's strong, one. and the can artwork is cool, and I, I really like it. So Juicy Monkey. 
Imperial, I would recommend that one. I'm going to do a little ad read now too, because the Two Deep Hokies Under the Influence podcast is brought to you by a new sponsor, and that's Roback. You guys know Roback. They've been advertising on a lot of other pods, including our buddies, Sons of Saturday, but they're a performance active wear designed for those who crave activity. This is the same polo company that had the VT polo, the, the maroon shirt with the little orange Virginias on it. Right now, they're offering our listeners 20% off their first order using the code 2DeepVT. That's 2DeepVT, all one word. They have hoodies, tees, quarter zips, shorts, joggers, women's stuff. They got My, my wife just ordered a tennis skirt. And of course, they have polos. So a little birdie also told me there may be a Virginia Tech shirt coming back to Roback. So keep, really? keep, keep your eyes peeled for that. Go on their site, load up your cart, and use code 2DeepVT to get 20% off that order. Roback Crave Activity. I will also add that Roback has some um, serious golf pillows as well. So oh. I'm a big golfer. They got some legit shirts. I'm going to tweet out a picture of a golf themed polo tomorrow from over. I already have it screenshotted. It's called the beverage cart. Nice. I think, I think it might just be called the Bev cart, but either way <laughs> it's got that kind of artwork on it. And I'll tweet that out from the account tomorrow with the code for you guys. Camp notes. Let's, let's finish up with some fun stuff here, man, because we didn't want to grill Spencer too, too hard on the depth chart. Although he's extremely knowledgeable. He might've been able to hang. I, I don't know. Um, God, that was a good interview, but yes. Tootin is recovering from a minor injury. He, they're playing it safe with him just the last few days. And Dwayne Daquan Wright has a strain. Uh, it isn't as bad as they initially thought. So that yeah. was good news on him. And they expect him to be back soon. Benji Gosnell has been getting more snaps in his absence, but I do have high hopes for Wright this year. So hoping that he gets right. Yeah. Stone Snyder, someone we've talked about. I talked about with my friends. I think I mentioned him on another podcast before that. Well, he's no longer on the team. So scratch everything I said about him being a high floor candidate for the Mike linebacker spot. <laughs> what a bummer, man. Yeah, I I did, we had we had big expectations for him and and now he's out. Um but And he and the expectations for the name. Hokey Stone Snyder. <laughs> was, yeah. That's that's what we get. You throw out these our guesses on on things that are going to be impactful and they just blow up in your face. And maybe he wasn't picking things up. Maybe the other guys were out playing him. That's best case scenario, right? Is that McDonald and Keller just looked so good. He yep. couldn't compete athletically and whatever. I, I don't know what happened, but let's hope that that's what happened. And uh, right. he's no longer with the team, which it is a bummer, but we will move forward. Some yep. better notes. The defense is coming along, it seems like. And, and Spencer talked about how this could be a formidable unit. The mic seems to be narrowing down to Keller or McDonald, I think mm -hmm. Tisdale will play too. Mm -hmm. And now he's that high floor option, but they, yes. they're saying that Tisdale's working more at will. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't, can you handicap that race at all? I, I don't know. I kind of find out fell in love with McDonald. I don't know about you. So I, I, I'd like, I, mean, I, I mean, I love the potential. I'm yeah. I'm pulling for him. I'm hoping, but you know, let the let the best athlete win uh, at the at the end of it all. But that's that's who I think, based on his initial promise, might might be able to pull it out. Uh, APR, that's Antoine Powell Ryland, continues to impress. Pride talked about him getting off the ball really well. Burgos is getting a lot of love at the DE spot. Also, Pride mentioned his motor and him always going at 100 miles per hour. JC backed up a lot of that. 
He said, as far as the DAL goes as a whole, Norell, Fuga, and APR are at a diff- different level than the other guys yes. uh, as of this moment. And and hey, that's great news because we didn't exactly know what we were going to get with APR. We had two. You know, we thought we felt comfortable with two. Not great, but you know, good. And so at least there's three now. So we got that going for us, which is nice. Uh, Burgos and Nelson are battling for a defensive end spot, according to the coaching mm-hmm. staff. Nelson is fully healthy after dealing with a foot ash issue before. And but the fact that Burgos is coming in and getting love from JC and competing with a guy who's already played a fair amount, yep, that's encouraging as well. Payne is going to factor in on the inside. He also looks fully healthy after having the Achilles last year. And and JC mentioned Penne and Kendricks as well. So if you look at the D defensive ends, the two deep is APR, Nelson, Burgos, McCray, and McDonald, the other mm-hmm. McDonald, in some order. Yes. And JC kept saying he's got five that he feels yeah. good about. And the more I hear about Burgos, because I, I, I pictured Burgos as that fifth guy. Yeah. Maybe he's not. Uh, but either up. way, because uh, Pry has been raving about McDonald on defensive yes. end. Which is, when was the last time you could get past three people that they were actually talking about at defensive end for it's the Jets Cookies? It's been, it's been a long time. I, I'm, I'm excited. Um, and having, and just having a little bit of depth, if we can spell some guys and give them a breather, they're going to be more effective. Um, I think, I think it's that, that was something I was completely, not expecting for us to be talking about this close to, um, you know, the, the season coming up. Yeah. So say you got five defensive end, if, if it works out or right. even if it's just four, we also have five defensive tackles because it's Norrell Fuga and Kendricks who all have all played a lot. Yep. Payne is really holding his own and Penny played last year. So yes. I, I'm not saying Penny is starter caliber, but you, he's someone you could get in there and rotate. He's been with the program for what three years now? Yeah, Uh, yeah. So um, he's got, you know, he's got experience. He that that obviously a step below, but definitely um, good to have. And he might get there there. eventually. Yeah, you know, given Zilmal got a shout out, which is good because I think we lose four of those defensive tackles after this year. So it's nice that maybe some of the younger guys are getting a shout out. You go to the DBs. A couple of true freshmen will be playing according to mm-hmm. Coach Pry. And I, I believe he means in a backup role or a fill-in role, but most Phillips is going to be one of those guys because they, I think Chris Coleman asked the players, you know, who's a young guy that's been standing out. And like so many of them said, Mose Phillips on defense. Yep. And then at corner, according to Chris Coleman, again, he said, love it is far enough along and has the size to play immediately and would be his guess in terms of the corners to play immediately. And I, I can't disagree with that. Braylon Johnson is a very skilled guy, but maybe physically mm. isn't where Lovett is. Yeah, he's got to beef up a little bit. But, I mean, we talked about the depth behind. As good as the starting corners are, the depth behind them is all youth. And so yes. some of these guys got to step up this year. Yep, I agree. Safety Jalen Jones this is the last note I have on the defense was also mentioned by coach Marv as someone who's really been developing nicely. So you come in behind Stroman and peoples and you'll have Jones and Mose Phillips. And with all they've been saying about Phillips and Jones being in the program a couple of years, I'm starting to feel better about the backup safety situation. Malachi is back to looking like his old self, according to coach, maybe more, ex- even more explosive than he was before. And Bowen harped on Malachi's burst also and how he has an ability to turn a four-yard gain into a six-yard gain with some of his power. And 
that's something we kind of saw, right? And it, maybe power is not yeah. even the right word. He's got like a way of just getting forward. Yeah, it's a little bit of shiftiness. So when he on contact, he has a way. He, as opposed to a, sometimes you almost see like the the running back like wrap up, like they wrap up with the defender, whereas he kind of finds like a little bit of an angle to squeeze out a couple more. So I, I guess that's power in a way, but it's kind of keeping your head up and looking for a little bit more of a lane to get, to squeeze some more out is how I would. would Yeah. It's like ability for yards after contact in in some like small way. I mean, Herbert was really good at that. I know he was really good at the home runs, but he was also good at just getting more yards than you'd expect every single time. Great. The QB competition. Wells is ahead. By a fair margin, uh, that was something that I think they talked about on TSL, especially in the past game, though, which is this is not any any news. We know that Wells is ahead in the past game, but it doesn't to me. This isn't seeming they keep saying it's a competition, but it doesn't seem like a real competition at this point, especially when you had the Bowen commentary that he doesn't really see a two quarterback system happening. Yeah. This is the Fuente, there's a competition because he just wants to say that there's a competition to the end. Um, and that is not it's something that's indicative of Fuente or Pry. It's indicative of what a lot of college football coaches do these days. There is this thought process that you want everybody competing right up until you know the season starts um, is, is, is my take on it. I could very well be wrong, but that's my take. Caden Moore is getting some love after his move to center. And that's been, that's been going on for a couple of weeks here. His physicality has been praised and probably talked about how late Ganim, the left tackle slash left guard freshman is in the conversation for playing time this fall and could be that swing guy in a pinch. I, I mean, Ganim, if he's playing any serious amount of snaps, something's probably gone wrong, Right, <laughs> but, yes. but at least it's, it gives you hope for the future that he's going to be a key piece for us. And then he mentioned, Garrett Dixon and Meadows as other redshirt freshmen that are probably going to play because we do have a lot of redshirt freshman offensive linemen, which is yep. better than being true freshmen. I mean, they, <laughs> they have a little bit of weight on them, a little bit of yep. technique on them. Uh, so if we do get in a situation where we've got injuries, uh, we may be able to put in a Brody Meadows and survive for a couple of weeks, but we're going to, we're really going to need the offensive line to stay healthy this year. Yeah. We're, like you, you know, we talked about that during our during our previews and things like that. It's just the the lack of depth of the offensive line is the biggest risk that could cause this to this season to seriously derail yeah. um, from you know not being as successful as we maybe want to being mediocre to like it, it really going downhill. That it's probably the offensive line. And with as much as we've heard about Caden Moore and Parker Clements taking on leadership roles. If either of those guys goes down, it's going to yeah. be a problem, like a, a big problem. So let's let's keep our fingers crossed. Let's root for good health. Uh, Felton, someone mm-hmm. that in the springtime, I hadn't been hearing much about Felton, but lately mm-hmm. the coaches have been really talking about his size, how fast he is, how explosive he is. And he's he is six foot five. I'm getting real excited about his potential. For the, the listeners that might not remember, he's the Norfolk State transfer. Yep. And Bowen is saying he's picked up the offense pretty seamlessly. I think we, you and I may have mentioned this that you kind of had some headliners that took, stole the show, um, and it made it tough. And whether or not he was getting any chatter was was probably because of of 
that and i'm i'm very very excited to hear that um you know he he's his his size is also kind of being accommodated with with some speed and and athleticism that's getting people juiced up about him we don't often have those like physical freaks you know that's yep. why we like kelly lawson so much and that's why yes. we're probably gonna like felton a lot because he's a freak i mean you don't get yeah. many six foot five plus skill players you know if it's not an offensive lineman or maybe a d end like you don't get that many guys that are that big no there's not a whole lot of them outside of um places like clemson alabama and ohio state they are not many teams get them um or at least ones that pan out mm-hmm. aiden green another one of the freshmen He's been getting some compliments in the wide receiver room and they say he's all business. He's big. He runs really well and he's very mature for his age and he just keeps getting better and better. So we have all those freshman wide receivers in addition to the DBs. It's going to be fun to see like you got five of them or whatever it is, which Mm -hmm. one will pop and maybe it's going to be Aiden green. And that would be, that would be great. Bowen called Gosnell Mr. Consistency and that he can play all three positions. Continue to hear the good stuff about Gosnell. And then at punt return, we've got Holloway and Lane working at that position. Mm -hmm. That was just my last little note there. Did you have a chance, and you probably didn't because you just got back from vacation, to watch the ACC road trip? I did not. Is that on your DVR probably? Yes. Waiting for you? Yeah, it is. I just just tuned into it today. I finally had a chance Mm -hmm. to sit down and watch it. And it it was cool. I mean, it's always fun to see Eddie Royal back on campus and and chopping it up with the guys. Uh, Mark Packer's also, he's fun to watch. I I like Packer. And he thinks we're going to a bowl this year. That's something he said on the show. And also said that the team, because he was there last year, the team looks different physically than when he visited campus last year. So that's very good here. Yeah. I mean, and I respect his opinion. So I like that. Mm -hmm. They had Jalen Lane come on the set. They had Eddie talking with Tyler Bowen when he was going through the receivers. They had a visit to the helmet lab, which you know about how our helmet labs like the most renowned in the country. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. And then they had a portion of an interview with both with Pry and Beamer, like in the same room sitting next to each other. Just oh, talking wild. about 1995 and him coming in and the lunch pail. And it was, I know some of that's like, you know, how do you say pandering maybe? Yes. But uh, I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> I thought they, it was great. <laughs> they do it for a reason. So it's, it's pandering, but uh, that's because people, people love that kind of stuff. So uh, no, I'm excited to, uh, to watch that. Um, hopefully you know, I'm catching up on work. Hopefully I'll get some time later this week. Oh, and they also had the Moore brothers. They went through the brothers oh, that really? played for Virginia Tech. So they brought the Moore brothers, both Caden and Braylon, onto the set and like almost did like a like the dating game where like, okay, write down his favorite movie. And it was uh, those guys are just fun, man. And like it yeah. really seems like Caden's it's funny because one is two years older than the other one. Mm-hmm. And it's so apparent. Like Caden really? is like a man and Braylon still kind of <laughs> looks like a kid. Um yeah. And they're going to be good. I think Caden's going to be really good for us at center this year. Kind of brings that Eric Gallo uh, yes. attitude to the yeah. to the offensive line. So chippiness and maturity with the to go along with it. Yeah, very easy to root for set of brothers. So the O line should be in good hands going forward. But that's just about all I had from camp notes. There's going to be more. There's going to be yep. some surprises in terms of position switches or who's starting here or whatever. But for right now. It sounds like guys are staying healthy and camp is going well and proceeding in the right direction, despite still being, we know it's a rebuild. We know we're, 
works we have a lot of work in front of us but it sounds like the things we wanted to see like wide receiver depth defensive end depth those things are coming along baby steps to the grocery store baby steps so uh keep it moving I'll all right it. let's do uh one more ad read before we go prize picks 2d Hokies under the influence podcast is brought to you by prize picks prize picks is the only daily fantasy app that's going to allow you to make plays with our very own Hokies football players this fall you can be in Virginia and make plays on Hokies players so you'll be able to bet on I shouldn't say bet make plays on Jalen Lane's receptions Tootin's yards Allie Jennings our quarterbacks but in the meantime football our we got preseason going man we got uh MLB Esports, they golf, they have literally golf. everything on prize picks. Lots of opportunities to get money in your pocket. So download the prize picks app and use code memory lane. That's memory lane, all one word, for a deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy made easy. And until next time, go Hokies. <laughs> <laughs>